The contents of this podcast does not represent the opinions of others and is solely the opinions of Harv Aronson based on his experience, knowledge, and research. Welcome to the Total Sports Recall, your source for sports news and topics from a different angle. And now here's your host, Harv Aronson. Welcome to the Total Sports Recall Podcast, and this show has a very special guest. If you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, then you are in for a treat. For those of you who remember the 1970s Steelers dynasty teams, then you will recall the punter for the Steelers championship teams that won Super Bowl 13 and 14. He is our special guest today, and that is Mr. Craig Colquitt. Drafted out of the University of Tennessee in the third round of the 1978 NFL Draft by Pittsburgh, Craig Colquitt remained a member of the Steelers from 1978 through 1984, but was on injury reserve for the 1982 season. Craig played one final season with the Indianapolis Colts in 1987, and after retirement would see his two sons and a nephew become NFL players, all three, as punters just like Craig. Between sons Dustin and Britton, Craig and his two sons were were part of four Super Bowl championship teams, Dustin with the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 54 and Britain with the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 50. Craig Colquitt was, was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, wore jersey number five with the Steelers, and was inducted into the Knoxville Hall of Fame in July of 2009. In 97 career games, Craig Colquitt punted 431 times and impressively had just one punt blocked. His career average for the 97 games he played was an equally impressive 41.3 yards per kick. Craig, I'd like to welcome you to the Total Sports Recall Podcast and say that it's an honor to have you on the show. Before we get into it, I want to know what the injury was that kept you out of that 1982 season. Dramatic injury, but the Achilles tendon. I ruptured it during the uh, offseason, staying in condition, and missed out on the 82 season. It was uh, more dramatic than just a four. Torn Achilles tendon, I also lost out on... Uh, financial benefits of that season too, because it was I was labeled uh, football injury uh, non-football, which is a classification of, in other words, the NFL doesn't have to pay. <laughs> wow, I'll bet Aaron Rodgers didn't take advantage of that this year. Yeah, you know, the, it's very. Hey, see, he's injured on the field, or at, at least right. on. So it's 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 a different situation. So he he gets his twenty five million dollars <laughs> per play, which is what the you know he had seventy five million guaranteed. So there was three oh plays God. and it ended. So pretty pretty good payday. What a difference from nineteen eighty two. Well, at the yeah. intro of the show, Craig, uh, part of the original Steelers fight song. You're going to hear it when you uh, hear this back. Part of the original Steelers fight song was played, sung by Jimmy Pohl. Interestingly enough, I was a jockey at a country radio station when I was in college owned by Jimmy Pohl. And I clearly remember a back room in the studio containing mountains of these vinyl records of the 45 type of that very fight song. If you saw last week's Stewart game in Las Vegas, the Stewart's faithful in attendance was incredible. I'm sure you remember the original fight song, but as a player on two Stewart's championship teams, what memories from that era do you have regarding Stewart's fans? Just like what you saw uh, in Las Vegas, uh, I didn't get to see that game, but I was listening to it when I was traveling. But uh, the Steelers faithful is the only way to uh, to label it. it. I would say they're the best following NFL ta- uh, team in the nation. 
I know when they, I live outside of Nashville and people uh, in the in Tennessee Titan fans can't stand the Steeler fans. So they sell their <laughs> ticket, you know, and it ends wow. up being black and gold out here. So yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to be connected to. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's always been that way. And I've attended several Jacksonville game down games down here, and there was a local disc jockey that had a bet with me prior to one of the games, and he said, how many fans do you think are going to show up from the Steelers fan base? And I said, oh, my God, are you kidding? I said, that stadium's going to be full. He says, ah, you'll be lucky if you get 15,000. Craig, I went to that game, and half of that stadium was terrible towels. I, I was just amazed. My jaw dropped. I, there had to be 35,000 Steelers fans there. It was, it's an Unbelievable. I believe it. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I traveled absolutely. for a year. I traveled well, for 20 years as I was in, and everywhere I go, you know, people show me the rings, you know, so it, it's, yeah. it's great. But there's the opposite. There's the opposite side of it, too. I would meet people that were football fans, but they'd say, man, I hated the Steelers growing up. I hated <laughs> I'd see somebody that almost wanted to pay my mortgage. You know, it was. Oh my gosh. Dealer fan. So it's great experience. Well, it definitely is a love or hate relationship. You either love them or you hate them. And, and one of the things about the fan base is, and like myself, is that a lot of Pittsburghers had migrated out of the city and they're are ending up somewhere else. And obviously they're not going to give up their loyal fanship to the Steelers. And so they remain Steeler fans, but they're just somewhere else. And I think right. that's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't happen often that a team wins back to back Super Bowls, but you were fortunate to be part of the Steelers teams that accomplished that feat. Obviously at Super Bowl 13, 14, Art Rooney senior was still alive. The chief was one of the most respected and loved owners in the national football league. Every Steelers fan back then, including myself, we had this feeling that we just personally knew Art Rooney senior. He was that special. Uh, and what are your thoughts on the original owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers? For me, and I'm sure everybody, I mean, you could even see it with Terry Bradshaw when they were talking or whatever. There was just a relaxation when he came into the room. And the, the best experience I had with uh, Art was I was in the locker room with Dustin and my son, and at the time, he's not three years of age yet, probably at two and a half, and we're sitting right at the door entry from the outside, which is where my locker was, big square room, so all you could see all of the players inside the room. But anyway, Art Rooney turned the corner into the room, and I looked up, and you know, here's this big cigar, and here's Art, and... Mm-hmm glasses and he looked down took a cigar out of his mouth he said who's this and his deep <laughs> and i said this is dustin my son dustin he said you all follow me and we walked uh through the training room through the offices back to his office and he walked behind his desk and turned around and we me and dustin sat down dustin's you know grabbing at everything of course he's a little boy and Art turned back around and he handed us a baseball. And the baseball said, to Dusty, you'll be a superstar someday, Art Rooney Sr. Wow. And I, yeah. And we still have the ball. I mean, Dustin, oh uh, he wanted to do all these things. You know, and little boy wanted to play with it. So I was able to hide it. Uh, yeah. Now, 
mounted in his collection. But, uh, you know, it's kind of prophetic. They said, you'll be a superstar someday. And Dustin ended up playing 17 years in the NFL. So if he only wow. knew. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But that's, you, you can tell even by watching him on, on film, on television, that was his character. Uh, such a great human being. He unbelievably cared so much for people. Um, Very modest. You know, and that's, oh, yeah. Uh, and that's why he was one of the most respected owners among the National Football League. Right. When he lifted, when he, I can still remember like yesterday when he hoisted that trophy in Super Bowl nine. I mean, that is, that memory is as clear as a bell and everybody just, people were in tears. People were applauding. It just so felt so good for the guy. Um, So many years. uh, There's about 40. Didn't he, I think he bought the team in 33. He did. If my memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Super Bowl was in 74. Mm -hmm. You know, what did, that's some, that's exceptional. Forty-one years, and boom, there it is. Absolutely, and and the rumor is, and I've seen it. Some say it's true. Some say it's not. That he bought the Steelers with horse track uh, winnings of twenty-five hundred dollars. Um, some people say it is a true story. Others say no, it's just a myth. Yeah, the the myth is funner. Yeah, <laughs> I heard so, it. Three hundred. Yeah, Three hundred thousand. Yeah, I heard it was over three hundred thousand. So, oh you know, <laughs> that would have been like millions of dollars back in nineteen thirty-three. Yeah, well, it was winnings, is what I heard too. So. <laughs> well, obviously whatever, the Super Bowl. Go ahead. It worked. Whatever it, yeah. whatever he got it, it worked out. It worked out huge for the state, the 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 city of Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. They, absolutely. They, the, I, I wish Nashville would go. Uh, Red and uh, there's a baseball team here, and our, our I guess it's kind of a blue and gold color, and mm. you act like Pittsburgh has, you know, with the baseball and the hockey and and Steelers. I mean, that just yeah. uh, I think color's a big deal. Well, yeah. Before you came along to the Steelers, the Penguins used to be blue and white, and then they decided to join the other two teams and become black and gold. But yeah, if you if you look online, you can see the old blue and white uniforms. So. Wow! Well, obviously, the Super Bowl victories to stand out as great memory for you, wearing black and gold, of course. But aside from those two great games, what are your most vivid memories from being a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers? How I was treated in the city. Yeah, uh, mm. people didn't recognize me because I wasn't. My face wasn't all over TV like Bradshaw and Lambert, Frank O'Harris, Lynn Swan, those people. But my name is so unusual, uh, it was recognized when I was out in the city. So I, I like to brag to people that my first two years I was single. So I was all over the city, of course, being a young man. I never had to pay for a meal or a drink when they wow. heard my Yeah, I was treated like royalty and uh, you know, that's – that's a really fond memory, just how I was treated. But people in Pittsburgh like that anyway. The, but when you get into the conversation about the Pittsburgh Steelers, it always turns into a generational thing. How long mm-hmm. their family have been Steeler fans. So that's you know, it's approaching 100 years. Yeah. yeah. And one of my neighbors growing up, his father bought a season ticket in 1969. They've never given up that ticket. He still has them. So he's a season ticket holder, and yeah, they they hand down their tickets. They're they're not about to give them up. 
so yeah, it's they're a special group. And I was just had an interview last week, and I, we were talking about Steelers and Steeler players, and how some some are very well respected. And I was telling them a story that I had heard of Troy Polamalu going into a restaurant in Pittsburgh, and he was eating dinner with his wife, and nobody bothered him, and he just had his own peace of mind, was able to eat dinner and eat in peace. Nobody bothered him to ask for an autograph. And he was so impressed by that that he stood up afterwards. And this is the way the story goes, is that he turned around to everybody and said, I want to thank everybody for letting me have, you know, my my peace over here and eat my meal in peace. And for that, I'm going to pay for everybody's, everybody's dinner tonight that's in here. So he was a, a good example. Yeah. So I, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that's a story I heard. And I wouldn't doubt it because Troy is, is, is definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, the funny thing is what I immediately thought of, they were probably tentative. And this is me talking because that dude knocked the crap out of people. I mean, he was vicious. Oh, yeah. So there's probably a little bit of fear mm-hmm. there, just like a it, if it was Jack <laughs> Lambert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was a special player for sure. Uh yeah. So your jersey was He's number dead. five with the Steelers. Was that always your number? And if so, why was five your choosing? Is that what you wore, Tennessee? No, it's interesting. When I got there, I didn't know how to – I really had no history other than number 18, which already was taken by Cliff Stout. And, you know, I, I knew then, but I wanted to cooperate. So Tony uh, Parisi – who is the equipment manager of the steel. Yep. He said, what number do you want? Will this work? And it was number five. And I said, looks good to me. And then he pulls out a hat and he said, this is Terry Hanratty's helmet. Is this okay? And it had a single bar on it. I've never worn a single bar. And I put that on. I said, man, I'm going to be able to see the ball with this helmet. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, Terry Hanratty's helmet. I told him I was going to send it to him, get it signed by him too. Wow. So, but uh, I need to do that. But it was, yeah, so it he worked. Uh huh. So he would have been off the team by the time you got there then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how long he was gone. Uh, I don't know if it was a year. I'd have to look at the, his bio. But yeah, he was gone. It's funny that the helmet was passed down instead of him taking it with him. That or, is or interesting. Him. Yeah. It should have been thrown away because it's one of those old suspension oh my cushion combinations. And whenever I got hit, it was like a, a bell ringing in my head. So oh, no. There's no protection. <laughs> so you were never able to send it to him? Ah, yeah, I just haven't taken the time. In fact, I've got his connect oh, yeah. information. I need to get it because we're not getting any younger. I'm I'm selling my kind of threw me off uh, everything I'm doing. I'm just because I'm selling my house. It's the first time I've set up my man cave, uh, mm-hmm. so now it's this great looking historic thing. In fact, my grandkids call it a museum instead of a man cave because everything's so old. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, our listeners aren't going to be able to see you on camera like I can. I can see you're wearing your University of Tennessee gear there. Um, I know you keep up with the volunteers for this season. They're 3-1 as of the taping of the show, which is today, September 30th. 
The Vols are coming off a season last year when they finished 11 and 2, and for their head coach, Josh Heupel, I might not be pronouncing that correctly, so you'll have to tell me if I pronounced it right, but Josh Heupel, he's in his third season after debuting in 2021 with a 7 6 record. Your thoughts on Coach Heupel and the state of Tennessee football? I, I'm real excited, uh, and here's a even more reason to be excited, but what I like about Heifel is the game is com- moving so fast. If you get a chance to – in fact, tonight they play South Carolina at 7.30 uh, your time. Uh, you can't go to the restroom because it's moving so quick and teams have to – uh, get opportunity to substitute to slow it down even. Uh, but it's very exciting. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Hooker we had last year was just dramatically good and uh, got hurt in the South Carolina game and uh, was taken over by Joe Milton, who's the quarterback now. And he's just, you know, he's got some rough edges, but he, he's 6'5". He's like 248 pounds. He can throw an orange and it's, you can look it up. He can throw an orange 100 yards. But sometimes he throws a, wow. a 10 yard. 50 yards. Uh, so, but what's real exciting is my son Dustin is the specialty teams coach at the university. So he's oh, coaching wow. now, uh, which is real exciting because now he's been all those years as a player, all those years as a, in a pro player, and now he's coaching, you know, what he did for a living. And Dustin was a soccer player. He ended up wow. two weeks before his senior year started walking on in high school, his senior year. He'd never even played football. And now wow. look where where he's been. You know, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Big That's Tennessee great. thing. Yeah, Tennessee yeah. got me Pittsburgh, so I like yeah. Pittsburgh. Well, we're glad for that because we, we, we enjoyed having you as a, as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know you're talking about Dustin. So both your sons and nephew are also volunteers products. They went to University of Tennessee. I'm sure a father could not be prouder than to witness two sons not just making the NFL as a punter like yourself, but to achieve the highest level of success as you did, which is winning a Super Bowl. That fact alone must make you grin ear to ear. Yeah. When Dustin got, when Britton got his, it was very exciting and, would think, wow, this it's hard to believe, really. I mean, it's really hard to believe. But when Dustin got his Super Bowl, uh, we were, you can't make this up. In fact, I had a reporter reach out to me, and he said, Craig, I'm, a, I'm kind of a mathematician, and there's no way to put to number what has happened with your family. You know, same college, mm-hmm. same position, Super Bowls, NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, and it was funny, he said, if – the only way I could put this in perspective is if the odds of this happening are so extreme that it, comparatively it would be like bit, being bit by a shark, hit by a car, and struck by lightning all in the same hour. <laughs> yeah, so we laughed, and I said, yeah, I said, but but I, you know what? I have peace now. Both of the boys are not in football anymore. Mm-hmm. I've watched for 25 years in anxiousness. Uh, mm-hmm. So now I'm enjoying football again. So on that note, do any of your two sons have sons that might be going into football? <laughs> Dustin's 16-year-old, unfortunately, strained his back, and his 15-year-old, both are punting. And both are very good athletes and really good students. So that's uh, if it doesn't work out, 
at the next level. But yeah, we've got, we've got the third generation heading that, heading that way. Amazing. That, that would be really something. Yeah. Um, so I had a thought leading up to this interview, Craig, is that every football fan knows about the Manning family tree in the NFL. And of course there's the amazing Matthews lineage of Clay Matthews Jr., his brother Bruce Matthews, and then the eight sons between Clay and Bruce all playing professionally. With only Clay, uh, the third, winning a Super Bowl, he did that with Green Bay. But with that said, while Peyton Manning and his brother Eli have won four Super Bowls, the Colquitts have something they do not, a father who won multiple Super Bowls and two sons who added two more. That makes your family and the Mannings equal on Super Bowl rings. But for Archie Manning, and you must feel for him because he never won a championship, Despite being a very good quarterback, he played for some really bad Saints teams, and at one time they actually became known as the Aints. Your thoughts on all this? Very exciting. And, and that part, going back to the Archie Manning uh, thing, I was actually – we played in New Orleans, and I think 100% of the fans that were there had garbage bags, you know, those old paper bags yeah. on their heads. I you remember know? that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately – Injured, so uh, a, a former Tennessee player, uh, his name's uh, escaping me right now, ended up being a quarterback. But the fans booed the whole game. I mean, I don't even know why they paid them there. But one of these days, I want to sit down and interview Archie and say, were you as nervous or anxious as I was every time there was a snap to your kids? You know, every time it's a you know, injury, performance, you know, just mm. all of that intertwined. It was difficult. And for years I had direct TV, which I estimated I paid about $27,000 for. Oh, my God. For years I literally had, you know, uh, previous channel. I'd go back and forth and watch Dustin in Britain punting at the mm. same time. You know, in different wow. games, you know, just That's for funny. years. Yeah, it's uh, nerve wracking. I'm glad it's over. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's something else. And, and Peyton was a Tennessee product as well, right? I think Peyton Manning yes. was great from the University of Tennessee. Yeah, he broke the tradition. You know, they they mm-hmm. thought he'd follow Archie. I think it was only him. And uh, but when he came to Tennessee, it changed the the climate in Pittsburgh because mm-hmm. you know here's six foot five, whatever he is, six, six, uh, you know, student of, of mm-hmm. the ball. So it just pivoted Tennessee, um, mm-hmm. in my mind, just started football all over again, the excitement of it. Cause we won the national championship the year after he left in 98. And I think T Martin was the quarterback there, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah. And so he kept, he kind of set that, that up, you know, all of a sudden the yeah. quarterback in the pass, the big deal mm-hmm. again. And it's interesting because T Martin ended up on the Steelers, which never yeah. panned out, but uh, I thought he was uh, a really good quarterback. I thought he was going to be okay with Pittsburgh, but that wasn't the case. Have you ever spoken to Peyton Manning being that you're both Tennessee products? Haven't had a conversation of and glad to meet you and that kind of thing. But Dustin and yeah. Britton and Aiton, they're very close. Oh, so that's it's, good. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, big, um, so, all they are is big. Yeah. Well, obviously, you're a, a huge Tennessee football uh, follower. And, and is there any current involvement with the school that you have, if any? 
Well, one of the exciting things is, is we, uh, I started a foundation, um, I can't remember what year it was right now. We call it the first family of fourth down. Hmm. So we donate money at that time to start the foundation. The money in that foundation pays for the scholarship of an athlete or probably two or three by now because of the interest in Dustin and Britain donated a large sum of money and we have this area on the comp and the athletic complex is called the uh, Colquitt atrium. And when you walk up the steps, it's this huge area where there's trophies and pictures of pro players uh, and just memorabilia, everything in that room is called the Colquitt atrium. So that's, that's duty. Yeah, we're, I'm excited about our past and playing there, but that uh, is a legacy that's hard to describe because it's give back. Yeah. Well, if anybody listening is a University of Tennessee fan or lives in that area, they're going to have to go take a look at that. Yeah, it's 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 worth going up there. And the Peyton Manning room is right next to that. So Peyton. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, he don't. I, I think his donation is well over a million dollars, but it's where the team wow. meets. Uh-huh. Beautiful atrium, uh, arena type uh, room where they're all together. Well, for me, I, I still, when the discussion comes up about greatest quarterback ever, Peyton Manning for me is is number one without a doubt. I mean, that guy was like a machine, and he was so analytical when he was on the field. He just pick you apart. Amazing quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't very Was mobile, it? but up for it no, big time. But if it comes he to football smarts, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he it comes you're, to football smarts, he's at the top of the list without a doubt. You're right. Well, as a retired NFL player, how much current football do you watch of the National Football League? National Football League, and and with you being a former Steeler, do you still follow the black and gold? If so. What's your opinion of the current state of the team as well as your opinion of Mike Tomlin? Because I want to point out, most people know, it's just incredible that Pittsburgh has had only three head coaches since 1969. That's just downright amazing. Wow. Well, I believe it. Tomlin's a godsend for players. He's uh, – I met him in a Kansas City game. Dustin brought me down on the field, so I met him very brief. And he was electric. Uh, how he made me comforted, comforted as being an alumni, you know, because that's his big thing, you know, keeping us uh, all connected. So, uh, wow. yeah, I, um, it, it, they played Cleveland Browns. Wasn't that just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, they were, it was the second, second game of the season. I'm, I'm watching this game and I'm going, this is the biggest dog fight. I've watched it a long time. It was very entertaining. You know, it, it is brutal. You know, Cleveland's kind of coming on, you know. Uh, and I think Pickett for Pittsburgh is right on the edge of being a superstar. So yeah. I, I'm excited. I do follow it. I'm, I watch as many games as possible. You know, I'm, I'm into football. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, and a lot of people were disappointed from the first game of the season when they got blown out by San Francisco and Kenny Pickett had a terrible game, and it really wasn't even that much better in the Cleveland game, but last week he had a really good game. And I just – people are going all crazy about Matt Canada, but should be fired, the offensive coordinator. I'm thinking to myself, this is two games. 
I said, give it a break. It's only we only played two games, and then all of a sudden they had a really good offensive game against Las Vegas, and now all of a sudden people are changing their tune. I'm like, you know, you have to give a team a chance to gel and come together. And and to their defense, San Francisco had an outstanding defense. They have an outstanding defense. Cleveland's defense is very good. So you put you're up against two excellent defenses. So they'll come around. Pickett, I think he is going to be very good. It's funny because when he was drafted, you may have heard the story, his hands were too small. He wasn't going to be a good quarterback in the NFL because his hands are too small. I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Unreal. Bradshaw was too dumb. (laughs) I remember that. Uh, What, Hollywood Henderson? Remember that comment? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He he couldn't spell cat if you spotted him the C and the T. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Bradshaw has four Super Bowl rings. So, uh, yeah, you can't you can't predict the future. You can't pr- predict the the innate personalities or, or somebody has to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm excited to it just because he's in the environment where if he does succeed, boy, he's going to have a tremendous fan base. So, I, but I think he's right at the threshold. Well, I think the Pittsburgh fan base has already latched onto him. I think everybody likes him a lot, and lucky for him, he's got an unbelievable defense behind him. And you're talking exactly. about we were talking about families before. Now you got Joey Porter Jr. playing for the Steelers, and when they drafted him, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great because the fans are going to love Joey Porter Jr. just based on the fact that his father was such a popular player for the Steelers. That's yeah. That's uh, that's pretty fun. I'm I'm excited about it. Well, I can't. I have to look at see what I have on games coming up. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to miss the black and gold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move into a little something different. I know I read that you have written children's books, or at least one. Uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about that aspect of your life? Yeah. When Dustin and Britton were born, you know, when my first child was born, the the emotional impact of a kid coming into your life's amazing. But then when the grandkids came along, it was even more dramatic because now I'm not so responsible for them on a day-to-day basis, and there's not that anxiousness to support. But then how can I contribute to their lives? So I, I'm, I'm an artist uh, and writer i'm working on even a couple of novels and a biography and i said i want to leave a legacy of creativity and uh, one day i was eating breakfast uh with one of my grandkids one of the younger and he asked me what happened to my hair and you know i'm <laughs> old and, and uh i asked Britton. i said did you hear what he said he said daddy's just a kid and i went no there's something here with this I mean, all of a sudden, he's noticed me. He's four years of age. And and I'm thinking how this fits in who we are as people, as human beings. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, so I write the book, and I do the artwork, and uh, publish it, and uh, printed up 2,500 copies. And I've probably sold about 2,100, wow. 2,000, giving away about 100 of them, I guess. But it was just a give back that the kids, as they get, grandkids get, as they get older, they can look at that and go, Oh, I want to do this too. 
uh, you know, I believe in creation. I believe in God and God gave us the ability to be creative, you know, like you're, you've created a podcast and that's, you're, you're reaching people, you know, it's a big influential opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that's what that was about. Excellent. That's, that's very good. What was the name of the book The title of the book? Jojo, what happened to your hair? Yeah, yes, I was, joking. I yeah, was joking with my wife the other day because in the movie Ghost, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there was a line where this uh, woman's deceased husband came back as a ghost and he looks over at her and he says, what'd you do to your hair? And I said, <laughs> and I said that, rem- that reminded me of that when I saw the title of your book. <laughs> I had to laugh. I said, oh my gosh, it's from the movie Ghost. Yeah, well, that's fun. Yeah, it's 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 a leg, part of the legacy thing, something to leave. But I also yeah. want to keep moving. I'm 69, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I play golf, and I'm still hitting the golf ball. You know, I catch. Mm-hmm. I'm 270 yards. I mean, I, uh, wow, good for you. The game's getting better and better, and uh, for me, and I I'm hoping I pass away like my mom in her sleep mm-hmm. at age 73 mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I stay busy. You know, and then body just gives out. So it's it's part of that. I I can't just sit and watch football. I've got, I've got to keep doing other things too. Well, that's something we have in common. I like to keep moving myself and uh, stay. I can't. I can't it's all still. Yeah, it's all about how we think. It's all about what we take into our bodies, into our mind, into our bodies. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the book when it comes out. Is you know, aging uh, is a gift. People say all the time, "I wasn't even born when you." played and i'll say well i hope you make it as far as i have because uh, i've lived a crazy life good life uh but it's very exciting to be alive yeah well one more area i'd like to ask you about is and i read this about you i did some research on your background is your involvement with the christian world view films and then i discovered in february of last year this would be 2022 you were named as board chair for the Empower Me Center. Can you give us a little insight into your involvement with the, both those organizations? Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting you brought that up. The Empower Me Center is a, a group of individuals, primarily women, and and then, of course, the parents of special needs kids. So uh, I joined them because of a friend whose daughter uh, just recently passed away after being 24 years of age, she never uttered a human word. She okay. had to be cared for, uh, but lived 24 years. And this couple wow. were fully dedicated to her. And I found when I met this group, the, the actual Empower Me Centers for the parents, because the parents' lives are so dramatically affected by a special needs child. They, you know, they kind of need a break. Uh, and interestingly, yesterday I had lunch with the executive director and uh, one of the marketing directors, and they got a phone call this week from an anonymous uh, donor uh, who gave them a million dollars. So, wow. you know, just a, yeah, a huge donation. And we did a luncheon uh, in 22 or 21, first luncheon they'd ever done in my little town and we hope to raise forty, fifty thousand dollars We raised $210,000 at a lunch. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, the community is soft hearted about children and especially mm-hmm. special needs. Uh, Cause That's you know, great. everyone could uh, a parent, a special needs child. I mean, that mm-hmm. could happen. There's no mm-hmm. guarantee 
So uh, that's a great thing to be a part of because uh, they're, they bought land uh, and it's, uh, we've got a $25 million project to put a state of the art facility uh, for these children. Because an interesting thing, when you see a special needs child come into the center or even before they're getting there, they know they're going to be around people similar to them. And how they react is very interesting. So it's just like us when we walk into a church setting or, you know, social setting and we're with familiar faces, we light up. So it's, uh, it's a great thing to be a part about because these people that are working this and these parents have huge hearts. Wow. And, and this, this center is this, this is also in Tennessee. It's in Lebanon about the, uh, okay. everything's with about six miles from me. So. Right here. Oh, very good. And, and you're still working with Worldview Films? Is that something of the past? You're still on that project? Yeah, that's just uh, something I wanted to be a part of. Nothing's happened with that because I, I, the storylines that I uh, – there's a possibility that it could work back through that. Uh, that would be kind of like a fundraiser opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of want to look at that. Excellent. Well, Craig, again, it's it's been an honor to have you on Total Sports Recall, and I'm sure Steeler fans listening as well as any Tennessee Volunteer fans that might be out there have enjoyed hearing all that you've spoken about. And I'll tell you the truth, I'd like to invite you back for a return visit, and you've been a great interview. I think if your two sons are interested, I'd be excited to have the three of you come on to talk about being the first family of punting in the National Football League. Um, before we say goodbye, though, I'd like to give you the opportunity to add anything you'd like to wish to extend to our listeners. Yes. Uh, you know, I think the more the fan base builds for football in general, the better it is for our country. Um, you know, football, I think I read the other day that it's up 22% this year overall. Or uh, University of Tennessee had their largest single year of donations, uh, the 22-23, I guess, uh, fiscal year of $131 million. You know, that's the effect Hype had at the University of Tennessee. So football is important because there's a whole lot of men and boys that would be big trouble with the testosterone. <laughs> We have in our heads, you know, my son is crazy. So football was a huge outlet uh, for them, you know, to control that energy men have. So support football, go Vols, go Steelers. Um, you know, the name image likeness, I really like that. You know, that's a tough period in, in college when you don't have any money. So right. it's about time. Well, I also like to give a shout out to my alma mater. You may have heard of Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania, but oh, yeah. their football their football team has been perennial uh, playoff a playoff team perennial for the last few years. They've made a run in the national championship several times, uh, and go rock because they're number seven in the country again this year, undefeated wow. you know, heading into today. Uh, they're playing in Indiana, Indiana University of Pennsylvania today, who's kind of been their uh, nemesis. Um, every time we have a nice run on the schedule and we run into Indiana, we always end up losing. So hopefully today, Slipper Rock will win that game. But one of my friends from college who played on the team, Rick Porter, 
uh, actually made the NFL um, around 1983. Uh, played for Detroit and I think a couple other teams. So uh, he had some 15 minutes of fame in the NFL, but he actually made it there from little old Slippery Rock. So it was kind of neat. Awesome. So you, you never know. I, I tell men all the time. I, a lot of times I'll just initiate a conversation with a man or even his wife or together or separately. I said, you don't know who you you have in your household. Uh, they're not a serial killer. But, uh, you know, my two sons were just strong, willed little boys and they end up playing the NFL, you know, support them. Uh, give them opportunities, reach out to other families to give them opportunity. Uh, I coach for free for kickers and punters. And when they get scholarships, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, the feeling because I saved their parents, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. So, wow. Well, okay. Yeah. Any, Two more any football, football is a huge opportunity for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, two more things before I let you go. One, your thoughts on the Steelers' current punter, because this guy, he looks like a linebacker. He's one of the <laughs> biggest punters I've ever seen. And he had he a remind, great night. Yeah, he reminds me of Reggie Roby. Yeah, yeah I, I remember I, Reggie Roby. Uh-huh. Yeah. Built the same he, way. Yeah, Reggie Roby, when, uh, when he came into the league, you know, I said, this is – what I've been thinking all along. When somebody's that big, that flexible, and that athletic, they're going to turn the the football into a banana wrapped around their foot. You know, <laughs> it, you know, it just kicks off that foot. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's Harmon, isn't that his H A R? Yeah, the Presley. Uh, Presley, and he had a great night last week in Las Vegas. So, I mean, he just did a fantastic job. It, it, Door, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing you don't see anymore is the coffin kicks. Oh, my God. When I, I was watching football in the 70s and 80s, that was, like, so popular. And I'm sure you've done it. But coffin kicks seems to have gone by the wayside. That's all I did. I just uh, – I nosed the ball and just shot it like a pass and tried to, you know, put it out inside the 10. But yeah. now it's – they do the Aussie kick, and it's got a backspin on it, and they're hoping to fumble the ball. Right. That's what – uh, and, you know, because if you're kicking it straight out of bounds like I did, it's over, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, you know, Dustin and Britton both were very good at that Aussie kick. And mm-hmm. the whole idea is to, to make a fumble or when it hits the ground, it kicks back. Sure. You know? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very effective. Well, before I let you go, um, is there any way that the listeners can find you on the Internet with a website or anything that, that might be of interest to them that will just lead them to you? Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm actually on Instagram. I'm on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, but I don't pay for any. I just post things around, but uh, I'm about to uh, move that along because if you look this up, you'd probably be interested in it too. Uh, a group of investors put together a company called Millions, like the money, Millions.co. And that is a marketing website for athletes of every genre, you know, from auto racing to football to you, you wow. name it, lady boxers on there. So oh, it's because they're printing up shirts and mm-hmm. doing all these things and splitting the profits 80, 20 to the athlete, 80%. Wow. So awesome. that it, 
it's a big deal. Yeah, they they put a I think like forty five million dollars out there to to get this thing going. So wow. um, that's something I'm hoping to connect with too. Just you know, just have fun. Yeah, I'm kind of an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. Did you say there's a website connected to that? What was that website? I, I don't have a website yet. I've got craigcalkwit.com, but I've, that right now it's down. But we'll, we'll millions.co. Okay. The fans go to that, check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think because there's a lot of athletes on there now. Oh, I'm definitely going to be looking at that. So once again, I'd like to thank Super Bowl champion Craig Colquitt for joining our show. We wish Craig well in his future endeavors, and there will be another podcast coming very soon regarding some baseball history. Another podcast is in the works for a discussion on boxers from the 1970s and 1980s, and I'll be joined by previous guest Charles Slavic for that discussion. For Total Sports Recall and Craig Colquitt, this is your host, Harv Aronson, representing the Sports History Network, Wishing everyone well until the next podcast. All right. Thanks very much.